Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Gabbana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. The horror show at Extreme Rules was certainly a noteworthy show, certainly a newsworthy show at the very least, because there were a lot of reported last minute changes made to this show so we've got like a, a whole bunch of these sorry i am luke owen this is el fakador laurie blake welcome to the post extreme rules sorry the horror show at extreme rules 2020 review wrestle talk podcast review show um <laughs> i was up late mate um even though it's only a two hour two hour 40 minute show so actually off the bat i want to say i'm loving these two hour 40 minute pay-per-views yeah. Oh, they clip along at a lovely pace. Oh, breath of fresh air, mate. Like, yeah. uh, as I said to my wife last night, like, well, uh, this morning, rather, I was like, it was only two, and a, two hours, 40 minutes. Obviously, you know, that's three hours, 40 minutes with the pre-show. But even so, like, the, it used to be, do you remember the time when it was, like, four hours was the minimum pay-per-view time with a one-hour pre-show? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no time. There's like, I think the, the benefit of these is there's no time for fatigue to set in. I don't just get to the point where I'm just like, well, I have now seen enough wrestling. Like, <laughs> and, uh, un- unfortunately, there is just an unseen tank of how much wrestling I can I can possibly manage. And uh, WWE used to fill it up, and now they don't. And they just get to that point where it's like they end at the point that I was like, cool. I- I'm happy with the amount of I'm satisfied with the amount of wrestling I've seen. 
so satisfied with all the wrestling. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was quite a lot of uh, last minute changes. This comes from various different sources, one of which is Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio. And the other is our boy, Louis Dangor, uh, who was texting us and messaging us throughout the show with his various reports, the feedback that he's been getting backstage uh, from his sources. Um, so here are some of the very last minute things that were changed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we knew. Uh, Seamus versus Jeff Hardy, the bar fight, was originally going to be on Extreme Rules. That was moved. Reasons for that are quite unsure at the moment. There were a lot of people, like, we had messages afterwards being like, where did that, why didn't that match happen? But I think mm. they announced on SmackDown that it was going to feature on TV as opposed to feature on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Similarly, Orton versus Big Show was going to be on Extreme Rules. They've been building to this for, you know, for the last month or so on Raw. The plan was always for it to be on Extreme Rules, hence why it's an unsanctioned match. But with ratings falling, and you know, last week's Raw doing its record low number, the week before that doing nearly its record low number, they decided to put it on Raw tomorrow to get a ratings bump. So they took that off the pay-per-view, put it onto Raw to get a ratings bump. I'll be honest with you, that's the story of this show, Mm -hmm. is you've watched the pay-per-view, now you've got to watch Raw to find out the answers. And I... I don't think that's the worst. We'll get we'll get into it a little bit more in a bit. I don't think that's the worst tactic, but it's when you do it across the whole show, that's when it becomes a frustrating oh, thing. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so Walton versus Big Show was meant to be on Extreme Rules. Owens versus Buddy Murphy, or rather Kevin Owens versus Murphy, uh, was <laughs> was booked and added to the show three hours before they went live. Basically, yeah. they had no, they had no kickoff show match, and then they were like, "Oh, uh, I suppose we better." Uh, Kevin Owens and Murphy, you go out there and you just do eight minutes. I'm happy you know what, actually. That. Yeah, do you know what? It was, it was one of the minutes. better matches of the night. Loved it. Yep. Yeah, do you know really, why? Because really it was good. untethered from nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was it was really good. Um, the stipulation for the Dolph versus Drew match. There was a graphic that got released um, earlier in the week. That was like I think it was a Facebook thing that said there was going to be a TLC match. Mm-hmm. Now there had been some speculation that that wasn't a legit thing, like it was a fan created thing that just sort of got spread around as misinformation. Now it appeared to be the case because it wasn't a TLC match. It said it was way way better than that. I thought actually the stipulation they had was, oh, was really really so good. clever, really smart. so good. But according to our boy Louis. The stipulation for the match was not decided until very late in the day, either late the day before. So late Saturday, the decision was made or early Sunday morning. The decision was actually made. Drew and Dolph were not told until they got to the building what the stipulation of the match was. That's nuts. Yeah, I think I think they were probably like pitching more ludicrous ideas the whole time. That's why I, I feel like when you, on a show where you've also got a swamp fight and eye for an eye match, they were like, what could we do that's also like horror show styly? And then they were just like, do you know what? Actually, this this like new form of handicap match is a much more interesting proposition. And it was, I think it really was. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really like I, I, that for me. Actually, was probably my favorite match of the whole night. It's the most cohesive match of the night. It really, like, start to finish just made sense, and everything that happened in it, like, served both guys really, really well. Um, I think, you know, plenty of the other matches had very good wrestling in there and probably a higher quality of wrestling, Um, but the finishes just made them suck. (laughs) Well, on that note, that, I mean, nothing, like, that's never been more prevalent than the Sasha Banks-Asuka match, which Mm -hmm. should have been match of the night because they were having a killer match it was so so great but the finish was really really pants and 
apparently this is a this is from Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio. The finish of that match was changed on the day by mm. Vince McMahon. It wasn't originally going to be that uh, Asuka lost. Uh, originally, Asuka was scheduled to just win. But they decided late in the day that they were going to change it and that Banks was going to get the win. And that's the finish that they decided to go with in the end. And it's which like the, the biggest feedback I saw to that match, it was actually put very well by by Adam Blompier, which was just it was an NXT match with a WWE finish. Mm-hmm. And really, that's how it felt. And yeah. the, I, I think that that kind of then shows in the report that, yeah, Vince changed the finish to it late in the day. And you know what? Like, I don't, I don't actually hate the premise of the finish. I think there's, I think there's a lot of mileage that you can get out of the finish. It's sad that you're watching a pay per view and that feels like it should be sort of the nice conclusion of the feud, and there should be, you know, someone gets a moment out of it. And instead, they've sort of done the. This is actually just the prologue to a longer story that we're going to tell on Raw. Watch Raw. Do you remember to watch Raw? You're going to watch Raw this week. Watch Raw. But I think you can get so much story out of holding the Royal Women's Championship hostage. And it can feed the Bailey and Sasha Banks feud quite nicely. It can give Asuka something to, to sort of fight against. Like, it means we're probably going to get a rematch, which, yes, please. Um, so th- there are really positive things to come out of it. It just happened to make zero sense in the moment when it happened. Like, you know. Uh, yeah, and I think... Less, the less real- sense than when Nikki, Nikki Cross thought she won the belt off Asuka. <laughs> yeah. Like less sense than that. Yeah, that made less- no sense. Oh, sorry, Basler. Sorry, and yeah, she stole the belt. But like, yeah, less sense than even now. My problem with it comes with because I think you're right. Like the actual finish itself, in terms of this is the first part of a longer story, is absolutely fine, and I think it works really well for Banks and Bailey to be, you know, holding the belt hostage and taking everything. The problem with it comes is you're also doing that with the U.S. title. Mm-hmm. Like you're doing the exact same storyline in across two different belts. On this show, uh, Apollo Crews was not there. And the reports are that he was among those that were tested positive for COVID-19, and that's why he wasn't on the show. I guess they thought that he might be able to make it in time, and the decision was hence why they were promoting it up until the day of the event. And even, you know, on the show, basically, they were promoting it was going to happen. But, yeah, Apollo Crews was taken off the show, and in the end, MVP just came out and announced himself as the new United States champion, which is weird because that's what they did on Raw two weeks ago. Like they did that, that same segment where they unveiled the new belt and MVP came out and said, I pinned the champ, so I'm now the champ. So they just essentially replayed it again on, yeah. on Extreme Rules. And that's, that's why the finish to the Banks Asker match was so frustrating because we're now in a situation where it's like, well, okay, we've got two title, quote-unquote, title changes, but neither of them were actually title changes mm-hmm. And you've got to tune into Raw to find out what's next about these so-called title changes because according to WWE.com, Asuka is still the Raw Women's Champion, Apollo Crews is still the United States Champion. So though that's that's two more segments on this show that means it didn't actually matter. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. and I, I think what wrestling doesn't need is confusion. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's complex enough as it is to kind of keep track of. Um, and I don't think it just needs these elements. These elements of like... Because the Apollo ones, it feels very much like they might just go, okay, well, MVP is actually the champion. That's fine. That that can stand. Because if Apollo can't compete, you can you can just do the same as you've done sort of 
with the cruiserweight championships and just gone like, well, we're just going to crown an interim cruiserweight champion, and then we'll resolve that when you know we can we can open up again and um, people can come and compete. But like, obviously, they might not do that now. But who knows? Like. I, th- I just think it's like in the in the Banks and Asker case, it's at least a storyline moment. But you're still sort of sitting there going, oh, "What, what, what now? Like, why?" When it feels so obvious that things are just going to return back to the status quo, what even is the point in this storyline? <laughs> you know, same with the MVP thing. Like, if you like, you, two weeks ago, you do a section where you have him crown himself the United States champion. That seems like it's going to build into a story. But if there was even the inkling that Apollo might not be able to um compete stop promoting it just do something else like think of think of another thing to do like give give him a coronation like you need a pop for raw give him a coronation on raw and just be like look apollo can't compete we're going to crown mvp the champion do that and make that a really big segment but like to do that segment on extreme rules but have nothing happen like there wasn't it wasn't even like a celebration it was it was just he comes out and announces it and then does a pose and walks back to the backstage. Like even just teasing well, tension between him and Lashley might have done something to make it feel like it felt like a very dead end of TV. Like there was no, there was nothing to grasp from that. Like I was sitting there just being like, and Apollo's music is going to hit, right? Like, yeah, obviously if he's not cleared, then he's not cleared, but it felt like that was the thread that they were dangling, that something well, might actually, something might happen. Yeah. Like anything. Um, and instead it just, yeah, it just was like, and now we're just confirming that <laughs> what we said a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, that yes, MVP is the United States champion. So there, there we have it. Like, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. If you, if there was a doubt that Apollo Crews wasn't going to be there, if the report is true and he has been tested positive for COVID, which, you know, if it is true, all the best to him. I hope he mm-hmm. has a speedy recovery from that 100%. But if it was a case that you knew that he might not be there for the show, then you've been doing a storyline with Ricochet and Cedric Alexander with MVP and Bobby Lashley. So just change the match to MVP defending his title against Cedric or Ricochet. Like yeah. Ricochet and Cedric want to stand up for uh, for um, Apollo Crews and just like, you're not a real champion. So I'm going to take this belt off of you to give it to uh, Apollo Crews when he gets back from his injury. Yeah, like, exactly. Or, something around that. Yeah, or, choose, or have Apollo choose a proxy to like yeah. fight on his behalf because he's not cleared. Like there, there's so many other things you could have done that aren't just genuinely felt like a waste of time watching that. It's like, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that, that basically means that like, you know, half the matches, more, you know, possibly even more than half of the matches on this show were late last minute decisions. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, it was very funny really, because we had a our morning meeting uh, today that we've been, doing every single day since the the start of this lockdown period of wrestle talk where we kind of go through you know what we're going to do through the day sort of you know just and have a bit of a chat and catch up and ollie was actually very positive about this show and if you've seen his 10 minute review he really really enjoyed this show and one of the reasons for that is because he went in with exceptionally low expectations and ended up very much enjoying the show which i and i don't you know i certainly don't disagree with i think if you enjoyed this show you're well within your rights to do the same if you didn't enjoy the show well within your rights to what we found watching the show live because you and i did the live reactions last Mm -hmm. night with denise salcedo is that people were very down on the show and i felt like i was a bit down on the show as well and the reason why i felt like i was down on the show is that 
effectively what it essentially said was this pay-per-view doesn't matter this is a proper b-level show that does not matter because you've got to watch raw and smackdown uh, next week to really find out what's going on what we it's, had on it's the, show... the fast lane right like it's it's that feeling of like well something more important is happening next month so this is this is placeholder wwe at its finest but it's even worse when there's no resolute there's not even just a clean finish to be like okay well this further yeah. feud going into SummerSlam, it just confuses things like what we had on the show we had three non-finishes basically we had you know the swamp match didn't really have a finish mm. the bailey sorry the banks asker match had a, a non-finish and the apollo cruise match didn't have a i mean it, there was no match. no match um exactly and then within that as well you then had two confusing title changes which are doing the same story but across two different belts uh one and like both of which you definitely could have done other things without there mm. was there felt like there was no clear rule on around the swamp match i do feel like it was the weakest of the cinematic matches even though actually mm. i did enjoy uh a, quite a lot of it I, you know I, I particularly enjoyed all the character work from bray and to cap it off i mean we, we'll talk about the seth rollins ray mysterio <laughs> eye for an eye match uh when we get into the full review but that finish was pants yeah, I think it's worth. I think it's worth noting that, like you know, we've, I think we've obviously leaned on the negatives here for the beginning of this uh, podcast. But I, my overall view of Extreme Rules isn't isn't negative at all. Really, it's. No. I think I actually really enjoyed watching the show. I love the wrestling matches removed from the context in which they ended, um, and I think that's the. I think that's probably one of the reasons people are having difficulty liking this show is because. It feels like, you know, watching a wrestling match is an investment of your time and your interest and your hype for something. And you're like, you know, I was very invested in the Asuka-Sasha Banks match. I knew that the finish was going to be probably not what I wanted, which was Sasha winning the title clean. But, uh, like, <laughs> I was prepared for a situation in which it was very close for and both women looked great. Um, and I was assuming there would be some sort of Bailey shenanigans to finish it. I wasn't expecting the ones that happened, though. And the kind of just dumb wwe like that mm. you know it's the i've put on the refs i've put on the if, if that is it to become an official and to stop a match just to put on the vest and then just do stuff like why wasn't asuka more pissed off at the end and like running out of the ring like you know there was mm. just a bunch of it that just didn't you know did she not know that bailey had pinned her like that there's kind of things like that. Sorry, the Bailey had hit her with the thing and then Bailey was the one who counted the three counts. So she, you know, there's that moment where she could have been like, well, the match isn't finished yet. So <laughs> you just end up with more questions and it feels like all that hard work and all that investment is undone because the finish is just imperfect. So it just feels a little bit like wasted energy putting it into being like, oh, I really cared about this. And now I've had to be like, oh, well, I've just been disappointed yet again. <laughs> Sad times. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. 
Only at Sleep Number stores or SleepNumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Do you like wrestling? Do you like improv? Do you like role-playing games? And you'll love No Rolls Barred, presented by the WrestleTalk Podcast Network. Six players come together to create a fictional wrestling promotion, roll dice, and create the kind of insanity that real companies could only dream of creating. Can Tony the Milkman survive the twilight of his career and still find time to care for his wrestling son? Can the Denimatrix overcome the vicious apex and achieve total denimation? Can brothers Golden Joe and Silver Bro coexist? exist as a tag team before they combust. Find out now with the wrestling show that everyone's talking about. No Rolls Bard is available wherever you get your podcasts and only presented on the WrestleTalk Podcast Network. Well, let's see what you thought up in the super, super, super chats. Please do get your super chats in. We'll be responding to each and every one of them throughout this show. Kicking things off, Azo Smith uh, said, Sasha vs. Asuka was an NXT match with a WWE finish. Bailey should get the Bestie of the Year award for fixi- fixing Sasha's wig after the match. Also, <laughs> did you notice they took the screams out of Nikki Cross's theme? I don't think I did notice that, to be honest. But, I mean, she is a babyface now, so I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, take those out. Um, but, yeah. Very much so. NXT match, WWE finish. I, and you know what? In a way, I'm just glad they're not doing the Bailey Bank split yet because I love that team so much. Yeah, they are money. They are brilliant. <laughs> um, oh, here we go. Quiz- you could run that to WrestleMania, actually, to be fair, couldn't you? Mm, yeah. Uh, Quidoton, uh, what happens to the Raw women's division now? Good question. You've got to tune into Raw to find out, mate, because ratings are bad and we need people to watch the show. Well, this is, I mean, this is more indicative of their overall problems with their women's division is that they only ever pick two people to be important at one time. So we have Asuka, who's important. And now that they've realized that Sasha Banks and Bailey are a great double act, they're now also high levels of importance. So putting the Raw title on them means they can be on Raw um, to at least sort that out. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's great, but it does mean that when, say, Sasha gets pregnant or something, you know, or or Sasha gets injured or Asuka gets injured or Bailey needs to go somewhere, like, they're just stuck being like, okay, well, Liminek, who's the next one? And, you know, that's the, that's the exact same problem they got in when, uh, when Becky had to go out. Uh, I like this from Ben Isaacs. He said, it's 2020 and I preferred an impact pay-per-view to WWE. Yeah, do you know, I mean, one of the really lovely things from this weekend was seeing people be so uh, excited about an Impact Wrestling show. I thought that was quite lovely. Really, mm. it was it was really good to see. It took me back to sort of simpler times. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, and I, I thought uh, Impact put on a great match. We talked about this on the live stream yesterday. I thought the Diana Perazzo Jordan Grace match was so so great. Absolutely loved it. They did, I think they did very clever marketing for Slammiversary, and they got a lot of eyes on it. Um, that they wouldn't normally have got. And I think the, you know, the Good Brothers being announced on Friday was genius. Like, and and I think just that that hanging in the air notion that they've done some shopping and there are going to be some WWE people turning up. That's just that wrinkle of 
like Impact's always got very good wrestling in it. Um, and so they just needed they just needed that platform to showcase it. And I think Slammiversary provided them that um, thanks to, you know, WWE clearing house a couple of months ago. Yeah, and their pay-per-view falling just like, you know, the day after, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all the, the, the contracts, came, uh, the, the 90-day non-competes were very, you know, it's very, very good. I thought they marketed it absolutely brilliantly. Uh, but back onto the horror show at Extreme Rules. Let's go through the whole show itself. Uh, the pre-show match, as we said, was decided, you know, three hours before the show. Kevin Owens versus Murphy. Really hard action to start with. That was great throughout. Uh, with a stunner by Owens for the win. Had a, his great little twisting moonsault that he does. Mm. I I really, really enjoyed this kickoff show match. Yeah, I think it's what, like we were saying on the live stream, it's really interesting that you, you get that what I think what I would consider is kind of a dream match. Like that's kind of a dream. I'd love to see that do 20 minutes at a pay-per-view for a title. Um, but because Murphy's just been positioned as Seth's lackey, you can just chuck them together and go, okay, that's a match that's just happening now, apropos of nothing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, amazing stuff like that. But I do really feel like the pre-show matches need to be that level of attraction. Like it should be someone like a Kevin Owens doing something pretty cool. Like I know it's, it feels like a bit of a step down for the wrestler themselves, probably to be mm-hmm. like you're on the pre-show, but look how good and exciting the pre-show matches were when it was new day and Usos and how yeah. much those guys rose to the occasion. And I think the same thing with Murphy and Kevin, there's like that level of, well, you're going to put me on the pre-show F you, I'm going to go out there and do something incredible then. Um, but that's brilliant for WWE because then you get that, you get the the kind of in people's heads that this is going to be really high quality wrestling, and they probably should if they haven't already signed up for the pay per view. Sign up for the damn pay per view. Yeah, I, I, Ollie made the point in, in his review that it's kind of a good continuation of this Seth Rollins Kevin Owens storyline. But I kind of hope it's not a continuation of that because that will have mean that Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens have been feuding since bloody November. Like, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I, we had the blow off to that at WrestleMania. Kevin Owens beat him twice. Like, we don't need to be continuing this feud on into the summer. Like, I, I, it doesn't feel like it's, it needs that. Like, Kevin Owens needs to be moving on to other things. Seth has moved on to other things. But if, like, beating Ray is just going to set him up for another Kevin Owens feud, I, I, I've, that to me feels like you are, you have hit a roadblock end of the line. Yeah, you are ju- <laughs> you are just circling the drain at that point, aren't you? Like, yeah. oh look, the idea again has come back around. <laughs> but we're slightly lower down looking up. Uh, but I tell you what I really, really enjoyed on the main show, New Day versus Cesaro and Nakamura, the artist collective in a tables match. This was, this was a awesome. really, really fun tables match. Really, really great. Particularly enjoyed uh I, I you know, I've made a, a noun out of it, but Kofi getting uh, Wiley Coyote'd into a table. Where he <laughs> sort of spring thing. And Nakamura and Cesaro just put the table up. So he just cracked into the table. It was yeah. really, really funny. There, I, there were so many good bits in this where there was like, they, they, they just set up so many tables throughout the course of this match. Like, I feel like most tables matches revolve around one table in play at any one time. And this had the double stack that obviously played into the finish, which we'll talk about in a second, but it was amazing. And then they just had, they had set up tables everywhere. So it just felt like the threat level was so high. Like it, 
it really did feel like you weren't like laboring towards a finish at all points and like it was a real slog to get there it just felt like this match could end at any point and i think that really hyped the drama for it um all the yeah. way through yeah no totally i yeah I, I really liked the drama that they had of this about like you know there were points where you know you, you and denise were like freaking out because they would do like a spot to the outside you know biggie's doing his spear and his spear through the ropes is i mean it's, it's quite a spectacular thing anyway because i hate it when he does it because it looks like he's always going to pop his shoulder out it's his big massive shoulder mm -hmm. but there was also a table on the outside but the table was slightly to the left so they were never going to go through it no. but because that table had been set up on the outside we were like oh my god he nearly went like it nearly went through the table. It was really, really well, like smartly paced throughout. And the finish saw them create a double stack table. And Kofi was going to, I assume, Hurricane Rana um, Cesaro off of it. But uh, Cesaro instead caught him and powerbombed him through both tables. Cesaro and Nakamura are your new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Uh, we did go through this yesterday, but Cesaro has got quite the, uh, the litany of, of tag team title wins with various different people. Let's just go through them again. Uh, he is a ba -ba -da -ba 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 -ba, a five-time Raw tag team champion, four times with Shaman, once with Pison Kid, yeah. and he is now a two-time SmackDown tag team champion, once with Sheamus, and now with Shinsuke Nakamura. So good litany of, of uh, tag title runs there for Cesaro, but that also does mean. He's never being put into proper singles feuds, and that really does suck. Yeah, you don't like to end. I guess like to, his WWE career is going to like finish up, and he's going to have been a twelve-time tag team champion. But you're never going to get the accolades that someone like the New Day are going to get for having that same level of reigns, because the New Day have been that one cohesive unit the whole time, and Cesaro has just been your sort of phone a friend tag team partner. And he's obviously yeah. amazing. And that's the, that's the problem. He's obviously brilliant. They really like him doing matches on shows, but they just don't want to push him in the right way, do they? Like, um, But yeah, I think him and Nakamura are a great team. And mm. uh, I do think this is the right choice for SmackDown, actually. I, yeah. I, I sort of I quickly made my prediction just before the show started because I didn't realize his match had been made. And I was just like, yeah, this is it, it's the right choice to put it on them. It just feels like the right time. It's really something for them to do, especially if you know sammy's going to return at some point it, it gives if that faction comes back together it's going to give them something to do absolutely uh for the smackdown women's championship nikki cross took on bailey uh the champion very very good match this as well uh bailey picking up the win off sasha banks interference there was some referee confusion and banks slipped bailey her like boss rings like the big uh sort of boss knuckle duster and she used that to punch excuse me, Nikki Cross in the gut and hit sort of like her falling forward DDT thing for the win. Decent stuff, this. And mm. I, I, I thought the Bailey Banks interference was smart because it was then there to play off into the next match. Well, you know, to a match later on where they were both going to be at ringside again. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about um, the interference is the the sort of the video gaminess of every time they're doing these referee spots with the belts because they've got so many belts. They're just like chucking belts in the ring. So the referee is like, oh no, a belt. I must get the belt out of the ring while also not using any of my peripheral vision. And then they off they go and chuck the belt out. And then that's when all these shenanigans happen. And that that has been the blueprint for their matches for the last few months and is getting a little bit stale. It's that kind of, it was like Adam Cole's run in NXT, like 
late last year where it was just everything was an undisputed era interference. It's like, I don't mind interference. I think interference makes sense for those groups, but varying up the ways in which it happens makes sense. And like the new sort of, I'm just going to chuck a belt in the ring and see if the referee falls for it. It's time to start flipping that expectation on its head and not have the referee fall for it. Um, But the match itself was bloody brilliant. Like there was some really good, like fiery stuff with Nikki Cross as well, where she hit the purge super early in the match. Mm. And everyone was like freaking out. She hit it off the apron as well to the outside, which looked brutal. Um, She kicks out of a Bailey to belly as well. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was really, really cool and clever what happened in this match. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think Nikki Cross, despite the fact I think most people were just like, yeah, she's going to be the SmackDown Women's Champion, but in a showing that was worthy of like, it felt like they had to stoop to that level of cheating to win because she really yeah. did feel like she was on the cusp. Um, and that's really good. Uh, we then got the MVP uh, Apollo Crews non-match where... MVP just came out and announced himself as the champion again. Um, and then we got Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio, eye for an eye. Okay, so hmm. the the common uh, sort of defense I've seen of this match, you know, and Ollie made this defense as well, which is for weeks they have told us you're going to see an eye come out of a man's head, right? They, you know, they, they, they pretty much said that out on the table and everyone said, I then went into this match with very low expectations. That's all fine and gravy. In another lifetime, I was a film critic. I was a, as a, a freelance film critic, which means I got sent a lot of DVDs to review. Lots of low-budget horror movies in particular is what I got sent to review. It's basically what I bet my bread and butter was reviewing. Straight to DVD, horror movies made with 10 quid and a packet of M&Ms that has somehow found a distribution deal, and I'm now reviewing it. And... A lot of them had some very, very creative ways around the issues because when you're working with a low budget, you have to you know, do things now. You have to sort of sacrifice the quality in order to get somewhere else. But I always had the same criticism of a lot of these places. So like one of them that I got, I, I, I remember quite clearly, was a found footage movie that's basically set on uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park. So yeah. they sort of find themselves on this dinosaur island. There's dinosaurs everywhere, right? So it's a low budget found footage movie which means they were using lots of CGI dinosaurs. But because it was a low-budget movie, the CGI was appalling. So, so bad. And it was... I, I, when I was watching, I was like, why did you bother? Like, yeah. if, you can't, if you can't do it, then don't do it. Yeah. Like, if you, if you can't actualize the vision that you have in your head then don't do it. Think of something else to do and wait until you have got the resources to be able to put that vision out there. And this is true of a lot of like low budget horror movies. They have these big grand ideas. They can't do it. So then what they make is a bit rubbish and Mm -hmm. it just looks a bit crap. And that's what happened here. WWE promised that they were going to have an eye fall out of a man's head Mm -hmm. and what they, and they couldn't do it good. So what they did (laughs) was they just did it rubbish and it yeah. just looked you know uh, we've we've got it here to have a look at there it is that's the eye that that came out of ray mysterio's head uh, it just looks rubbish it looks yeah. fake it just looks rubbish well this is the problem isn't it because it's like you're doing it live on a night and so you've decided to do it as an in-ring match and i actually think the the uh the gimmick for the match added to 
what I was watching. Like, you know, I, I really liked the the way they worked together and they worked around this idea of the eye being the really important thing. I think a lot of people have a lot of problems with like being grossed out by anything to do with their eye. Like I particularly am like, uh, that's why I can't wear contact lenses, but like, so I think it really did make sense here. It really did up the drama. And I was watching this genuinely thinking like, I don't know how they're going to do this finish, but I really like how they're getting there. And I think the story that was told through the match about the sort of the back and forth around how we have to end this match made a load of sense. They didn't do like a load of silly spots where everything that happened really felt like it was feeding into that, that narrative. And then, yeah, like you said, if you don't have the props ability to do this bit nicely, why didn't Ray and Seth just brawl to the back? Like, if you just brawled to the back of, like... So you brawled out of the ring and you brawled to the back of the performance center, right? You could cut there to a pre-recorded video package that, like, has already been shot and already been filmed that sets up the finish. And you film it in a way that makes it look like it's happening live. And you just cut to that and that plays. But that is something that you do that has a bit of, you know production value put into it you can cut the shot away and you can set up making sure that the eye looks realistic in popping out of ray's head like you do all of that so that it does feel legit whereas at the end of this it really did just go like oh he's holding a prop eye is he excellent like i, I mean the same the same i feel like it could have been achieved with just a blood capsule like mm -hmm. A oh better, yeah, a better effect would like because it was cool when he took the little eye patch off and you were like, "Wow, he's got that misty eye that looks really great." And then he then he gets pushed into the the steps. And you're like, "Okay, that's the one that's coming out." But then, yeah, just like gushing blood from your eye socket, which you would imagine if your eye popped out, I imagine is something would happen. Uh, <laughs> and even if I, I'm not a fa I'm not a fancy doctor, but I just feel like I would believe that more than. Seth doing that, I turns around to be like, cool, got to finish getting this eye out. <laughs> and then walks off to be sick. And then you've got cut to that shot of Ray with a little golf ball in his hand, whatever it is. Like, you could, this that ending, even if the whole match wasn't, the ending should have been cinematic and it should have been pre recorded and it should have been filmed until it was, and should have been filmed and edited and had all the post production effects put on it until it looked real. Like even yeah. just for a second looked real. Like you don't have to you don't have to dwell on the shot for ages, but just doing it live just made it so much harder to do that effect because the only way to show an eye popping out of someone's head is with a close-up shot. And all these sorts of effects that aren't going to be imperfect, actually distance is the thing that makes them look better. You know, a yeah. little bit of being a little bit further away just makes it a little bit easier to sell that story in. Um, yeah, it's a shame because it was. I think it really did add to the match, the, the gimmick. And I, I don't mind how stupid and goofy it kind of is, really. Yeah, it was. I, we that we said on the show, kind of wish it was just an Extreme Rules match that was just a sort of a hardcore brawl that these because these two were working together so so well and creating this incredible story. And actually, the drama around the eye, as you say, was really really good lots of eye-based action you know seth with the the you know had the pliers out there the bit with the kendo stick you know the snap the kendo snap stick in half yeah. there were lots of like really really cool and inventive spots around a gimmick that sort of hampered them and louis Dang oh, suck it in the uh turnbuckle yeah oh amazing stuff and louis dangle said this on our morning meeting this morning which i completely agree with 
it's the same as the Randy Orton Edge match from Backlash. These two had an excellent match, but it was not the greatest wrestling match of all time. Mm-hmm. But because WWE said this is the greatest wrestling match of all time, it didn't live up to expectations. And the same thing happened here. These two had a great match, which was hampered by a very, very stupid gimmick that they could never actually pull off. Mm. And we talked about this on the live stream yesterday. Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D has a moment where Jason squeezes a guy's head and an eye pops out. I've got a picture of it here. Right, you know, <laughs> this film came out in you know 1983. Uh, I think it was a, a, probably a tenth, maybe even a fifth of the budget that WWE has for their weekly show. And I think Friday the Thirteenth did it better in 1983. Yeah, I. It's a shame because I I don't I'm not in the band like I'm not on the bandwagon of wishing this was just a regular Extreme Rules match. I I like the eye for an eye booking. I like the fact that that was like said up front that that was going to happen but you just shouldn't do it if you can't achieve it. And and I think they could have achieved it. They just chose the wrong path to take the match. Um, and I, did, I, did, I did I like Seth Gipping, though. I did really like Yeah, that. yeah. It's good. Like, yeah Seth about throwing that, up. That little take when he makes the sort of bird, of he makes the noise of a little raptor. Like, <laughs> 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 Seth threw up because of what he did. And actually, I'm really hoping, because like Seth's selling of him tearing an ice eye from a person's eye socket was actually really great. You know, he's the guy that did this and then threw up because of his actions. So I'm actually quite stoked to see his promo tonight mm-hmm. because you'd have, you'd thought based around that character work that he's going to be like almost ashamed of what he did and, yeah. you know, really sort of questioning himself about how far he has taken this Messiah gimmick. So I'm quite intrigued by that. Um, the real downside to this and what makes this all sort of a little bit like a bit of sweet and, and it wasn't even that sweet to begin with because you know it looked silly is that we then had a, uh, a segment later on with uh, i believe charlie caruso stood outside the medical office where she said in so many words uh oh ray will be fine he'll have his vision back so actually none of it mattered at all gonna, like, they're just gonna thumb that back in <laughs> Absolutely none of it mattered. Ray's yeah. just going to be fine. And it, there was a smaller eye underneath his eye. It's the it's the being thrown off the roof thing where you're like, you promised this big thing. You can't actually do it. And then the next day you go, and he's okay. Mm. You, it breathes a level of mis, of, of, of yeah mistrust in the company. Well, like and, Ollie said in the predictions, if you're going to have an eye popped out of your head, you should at least sell it for a few weeks, you know. <laughs> just, just And they literally didn't even get to the end of the show without being like, Ray's going to be fine. And I get like, do you know what? That probably wasn't for us. That was probably for kids in that sense of like, Ray is one of the most popular WWE wrestlers with the younger audience and has been forever. Um, so I just think you need to be like, yeah, okay, he's... He's going to be okay, kids. Don't freak out. Don't, you know, we don't want to get letters of complaint. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a shame because it detracts so much from the spectacle of like, you've gone to this amount of effort. You've had a man throw up on TV. Uh, Again, something, we've had someone spit in someone else's face. We had someone throwing up fluids onto the floor. You can put up as much plexiglass as you want, WWE, but no one's buying that you're taking this seriously. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's a shame because it's a great match. And I, I, yeah. I do really think it added to it, just the, the notion that someone was going to get their eyes scooped out. But you just need to deliver on that. You'd know Tom Savini, for Christ's sake. Use him. Like, like, <laughs> uh, like do it and just don't do it live. Like, 
really hard to do special effects live. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-record that bit. Man. And the the other bit of news from this as well is that Ray has been working without a WWE contract for uh, quite some time now. Um, and the story was that if he lost this match, it was kind of WWE's way of writing him out and uh, writing him off TV. So there's been no report yet whether he has re-signed with WWE or if this is going to be the end of Ray Mysterio uh, in his WWE tenure. So that does remain to be seen. Um, up well, next, but it should just been the way to write him off then, shouldn't it? He's lost the eye. He can't see it anymore. He can't wrestle because he's got one eye. That's a brilliant way to get rid of Ray Mysterio. Oh, so dumb. Stop hedging your bets on everything. Oh. Uh, so for the Raw Women's Championship, it was Asuka versus Sasha Banks. A brilliant, brilliant match. Absolutely amazing, amazing match. I loved watching these two work together. Uh, we said on the live stream last night, uh, God, it's just good to see like Sasha in a pay-per-view singles match. Oh, it was just absolutely to killing it. Yeah, just working just... their asses off doing great, great stuff. But if we did have an incredibly convoluted finish, which kind of started with Banks at one point sort of buckling off the top turnbuckle or the middle turnbuckle rather. Yeah. And it was the match sort of stopped and ground to a halt for a little bit, but they carried on. So I think Banks may have just tweaked her legs somewhat, which made her fall. But, you know, she kind of screamed that she was going to continue. They did. I, I think she sold it very well that if this was a story like purpose that actually like you know the selling of it was incredible I, I totally bought into it and then we got a series of belts being thrown in we had Kyrie Sane we had Bailey we had Asuka missed or tried to miss Sasha Banks missed and she missed the referee instead we had Banks tapping out to the Asuka lock and then Bailey just puts on the referee shirt and counts the three they don't After bring the belt Asuka with the belt in the back yeah they don't ring the bell. They don't play her music. And then Bailey runs over to the timekeeper and yells at him to, to ring the bell, which he does. And then she gives Sasha Banks the Raw Women's Championship. They play Sasha Banks's music and they just leave. Yeah. And it just made everyone go, huh. So is she the champion now? But do you know yeah. what? You have to tune into Raw to find out. Oh man, it's like it just undoes the work, doesn't it? I feel like because it just it just yeah. I think that I think that I do think that description of it being an NXT quality match with a WWE quality finish is is correct because that finish just it clunked so hard to get there as well. Like that, whether or not that's a that was a legit you know tweak of the knee or whether that was part of the storyline they were telling. Like before that, everything that was happening was just pure poetry it was so good that you know they were kept selling these german suplexes like they kept threatening to do them off the Ooh. apron sasha kept threatening the sunset flip power bomb as well off the apron and then finally hit it to ask her onto the onto the plexiglass like then Asuka starts hitting these crazy deadlift Germans. Like she tried to do one, she tried to do one from the outside inside. That didn't work very well. But then she just picked it, she just picked Sasha up and was like, well, do another one then. And dumps her on the back of her head. Sasha's flopping around like uh like folded up like a concertina. And then she does it again. And there's one off the top. And that's the one where she flips out and she lands on her knee. And I think that if that is a legitimate like knee tweak, that might be the moment where it happens. But it just, they work together so, so well in this match. And they just did so many good spots. This was like, so easily a 
a higher quality than anything else that happened on the show so far at this point. And I think everything else that happened on the show beyond finishes was really, really good. But this stood out to me as just like exceptional wrestling. It, it really was. And then, yeah, the finish was so overbaked that I was just like, I can't. I can't keep up with what they think is happening. Like, <laughs> it, it didn't help that it came off the back of the Apollo Crews MVP thing and then the I thing. Like, I think just like it coming as sort of like the final part of that trilogy of sort of, mm. you know, bad or non finishes just made it seem worse. On any other night, I don't think this would have been a, an issue. But when you're doing it in the MVP Apollo Crews feud and then you're also doing this eye for an eye shtick with mm. the terrible rubbish fake eye it is going to stick out and I just don't think it's going to work. And I know some people have made reference to, oh, it's One Night Stand 2006. They're just doing that. Like, it's not the same thing. A, no one liked that finish either and and, and said that it didn't make sense. B, Paul Heyman was the authority figure. He was the guy running the joints. So he can make those rules. Bailey's not running the show. She's not yeah. the authority figure. She has literally no authority, so it makes even less sense. If it is as, if it is literally as simple as putting on a referee's t-shirt, why isn't everyone anyone doing do it? it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't make any sense that Asuka just sat there at the end and was like, "Oh, okay, that's done then." You know? Yeah. Why wasn't she chasing after them? Like, like it's like a hostage situation. It should the twenty four seven title has had more uh, people desperate to get it back more than uh this this apparent loss of the raw women's championship uh, yeah i don't know it's just like a finishing which you go okay well bailey's baby chucks a title into the ring to distract the referee the referee's like oh get that title out of the ring meanwhile another title is in the ring and then sasha banks is holding it then the referee are having a tug of war meanwhile asuka's getting given a missed capsule by Kyrie sane pops the mist in mists the referee gets the asuka lock there's a there's an unseen tap out so there's a visual there's a visual win for asuka uh bailey then gets in the ring and and hits asuka <laughs> pulls the referee shirt off counts the pin so many bits of it it's just like and another thing and another thing that's like it's the it's the if there's a clean finish in which someone just gets pinned, this is the dirtiest finish you could do. It's just like there's so and much it, muckiness covering up this, what should be a really simple, like even just Sasha saying she's won and taking the belt. There's yeah. enough in that. Like, but there's, but then that also raises questions of like, why didn't, why wasn't there another ref? Like, mm. why didn't another ref run down to be like, well, hang about, you're not an authority figure because Sasha's not the champion. Asuka is still the champion. So, like, the finish means absolutely diddly dick. So, if the finish wasn't actually a finish, why wasn't there a referee to come down and be like, well, hang about, this match mm. didn't get a finish. You're not a referee. This match should still be carrying on. It should be continuing. Mm. Why, is Charlie, I, why is Charlie Caruso on hand to clear up Rey Mysterio's eyes still working, but not to clear up this thing? <laughs> That's what I want. Like, Charlie, barely investigative journalism there, Charlie. Like, yeah. Um, right, but you know what I did enjoy? Really, really, really enjoyed was Drew Macker versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Championship. This is how good Drew McIntyre is. And this is actually how good Dolph Ziggler can be when he's given a bit of time to shine. Which, you know, I think after basically 20 years of being told, you are nothing, you are just going to think, nah, he's just a, he's a mid-carder for life. And Dolph is a mid-carder for life, you know, bless mm -hmm. his heart. But this match was so, so great. What I've really enjoyed about this feud is the sort of storyline telling that they've been doing, which is that Dolph is not a worthy champion or a worthy challenger for this belt. Drew has handed him this opportunity. 
And so Dolph has gone in and then just stacked the deck against him because the stipulation that he made was this is extreme rules for Dolph Ziggler. Also, you can't walk away from this match. If you get counted out, I win the title. If you get yourself DQ'd, I win the title. Mm -hmm. It was smart by Dolph, made him look really, really good, makes him look like a very smart, calculated heel, and then makes Drew look like the ultimate you know, conquering babyface when he overcomes these odds that have been stacked up against him. Yeah. And you couple all that together with a wicked match anyway, with just the greatest selling by Drew. I I really really oh, loved yeah. this match. Well, this was this was yeah, and this is this is when WWE is very good when the idea is strong. Like, and obviously this this is clearly an idea that came through pretty last minute in terms of like what they were imagining. But it's it's a very simple premise. It's like the smaller guy, the heel, stacks the deck against the bigger babyface champion who wants to do it honorably anyway. So it, that all just packaged together is just classic wrestling loveliness. And it's, you know, there's a show, there's, a, I mean, while another show is going on in which uh, or like every match ends in a load of gubbins because they didn't, they just didn't think through the actual gimmick or what was happening at the end. I just think this the form, like the form of this match was so perfectly done. I think the, you know, the stipulation, what didn't feel like it was maybe exciting enough to build into like a whole, there's a secret stipulation. Um, and obviously they were just doing the secret because they didn't actually know it was a secret to them too. Um, so yeah, I, I think like the, the announcement and and having Dolph get to sort of do that really smug, really long. Here's what the rules are for the match. Like that really played into it. While Drew just has to sort of stand there and watch. Um, and I think they really played with all the levels of extreme rules. Like it wasn't just I can use weapons and you can't. It was I can be as dirty as I want to be. So I, you know. Dolph hits a low blow within the first like minute or so of the match. And then he's raking the eyes and he's like, there's all that really fun stuff with the count outs as well, where Dolph's not going to get counted out, but Drew has to beat the count out. I think they could have gone even further with that. And they could have had like Dolph trying to like stop Drew getting back in the ring and, and Drew trying to like barrel through Dolph to beat the 10 count. Like there's a lot of stuff in here that I think you could, you could play this match type again and again. Mm -hmm. with different like with with different people at extreme rules because i i really think they've hit something here that works fantastically as a as just a different sort of handicap match it really did feel like drew wasn't on even footing with dolph or like at least dolph had brought like dolph had leveled the playing field here and um it really really worked it, it made it feel like there was there was a moment where dolph could win um, yeah, I obviously had to suspend my disbelief quite a lot, but you know, <laughs> I did, I did, I, do, I did at least buy into the the premise throughout the course of the match. Like it wasn't, it felt like a foregone conclusion because it's Dolph Ziggler and it's Drew McIntyre. But with somebody else, this really is a way to make it seem like somebody is going to steal a title win off a really big baby face. I think it's a brilliant, um, brilliant bit of booking. Hell of a finish as well with Drew kipping up and then hitting the Claymore from, from out of nowhere. Uh, absolutely amazing stuff. I, you know, it, I feel like we're getting Dolph versus Orton at SummerSlam, and I'm really in for that match as well. And I'm really into that going either way. I didn't think I'd ever be into a, a position where I'm like, yeah, Randy Orton is WWE champion in 2020. I'm actually quite for that. Mm. But like, I, I, I'd love to see Drew win. I'd love to see Randy win. And I think that's, 
that's that's a really good sign. So there was also a, sorry, there was a comment in the chat that really caught my eye, where someone said you're praising WWE's bad booking, uh, and they have lowered their standards because you never rant about their booking. And I'm like, where have you been for the last forty minutes? It's pretty much all you've done on <laughs> this a, show. It's just talking about the booking. Um, yeah, I, and what I, one of the things I really loved about the finish to this match was like, this was that it works because it's the moment where it is the moment in the match where Ziggler gives up on the premise that he's, he's his own booking of the match, his own stipulation. He gets so frustrated that Drew won't stay down that he's chucking the chairs out of the ring. Mm -hmm. He's throwing away the weapons and he's like, fine, well, I'm going to use my most powerful move, the sweet chin music and starts tuning up the band. And that's what, unfortunately someone else also likes to tune up bands and they just like oh we're, are we tuning up the band that's fired me up pops up claymore kick brilliant finish but yeah because Dolph didn't press the he forgot to press the advantage so I think it's still at least there's that wrinkle in there that like you can still Dolph doesn't lose all legitimacy here by being like you had you had everything and you threw it all away it's that momentary slip that gave Drew the moment to hit his finisher and win the match it really i just think it's really really clever they put together something really incredible here yeah i really really like this as i said like top to bottom it was my favorite thing uh on the extreme rules card that it was really great uh and the main event uh was the cinematic match the swamp match between braun Strowman and bray wyatt so i mean we won't go through this sort of beat for beat but what i really liked about this and there was like, quite a lot of positives from this um Braun being attacked by himself, I thought was was quite. I thought it was visually very very interesting, particularly because he was like you know in his old like you know white family gear. Uh, the the avatars they had for Harper and Rowan, I thought was quite a nice little touch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. The lad getting set on fire, I thought was was pretty wild. That was you know quite fun for a cinematic match. The them Bray's like monologue that he has about how that he's been kind of trapped in the mind of the fiend. Like his monologue was gripping stuff and he's such mm. a a good actor and i love this extended lore around the characters i really enjoyed that you know the viper in the family reference with the snake and i really enjoyed the surprise cameo of alexa bliss as sister abigail now alexa bliss is not sister abigail they're not repackaging alexa bliss as sister abigail but it was sister abigail using the form of alexa bliss to lure Braun back into the family I thought was really really cool it was a very nice surprise my my, my main criticism I had about this is that the finish was crap like it just it just ended yeah there was no this is the thing it's like you know the, the boneyard match had a clear defined finish you were buried alive the firefly funhouse match had a clear defined finish it was a match and John Cena got pinned at the end of it to finish the match. This swamp fight didn't go anywhere. It didn't have a, you know, like, <sighs> I don't know, like, it, it, it just at some point, it, you know, Braun turns up to have this fight and then Bray ends up having a conversation with him for a long time. And then there's a load, and then, then gets him bit by a viper, then lets him go so he can beat up uh, knock off Rowan and then set him on fire. Then they're brawling around the boat. Then the boat goes away. The boat comes back. Then they're in the water having a fight. And then it's about who gets the throw. Then it's about who gets thrown in the water after that to do the finish. Mm. And then Bray goes in the water and Braun's like, it's over. I've won. He's in the water. Then Bray pops out and drags him in and then comes out as the fiend. 
it doesn't make sense. It, it, it needs that clear, defined, like, what is the purpose of this? Are they trying to kill each other? Is Bray trying to win Braun back into the family? What is the goal here of both men? What are their motivations? Because it seemed like for a bit of it, Bray's motivation is trying to get Braun back. And then it becomes, no, it's not. It's a fight to the death. And they were trying to push each other into a, into the water. And then when they go in the water, the fiend pops out and he's like, he's been released. But is that because the fiend's been released because Bray Wyatt, who was saying, I've been trapped in the mind of the fiend for this long and I've only just wrested control back. Is that because he's dead and he's been drowned? Or is that because it's a lake of reincarnation that Bray's already had a dip into? Like, you know, is that it? Like, what has happened? <laughs> and could we have at least a little bit of that explanation before we go into the match so we actually know what the point is? Because it didn't, it felt so... It just didn't have a through line like in it. It felt like it was a series of vignettes that had been taped together. And, and you know, the Firefly Funhouse match was a series of vignettes that were taped together. But the narrative that ran through it was so carefully constructed to deconstruct who John Cena was that you end up at this point where you're like, well, of course, now the Fiend arrives and pins John Cena because John Cena has been psychologically worn down to the point that that will happen. This was a, this was at points, it was a, psychological assault on Braun Strowman, the character. And on other points, it was a physical assault on Braun Strowman, the character. But those two things are at odds when the psychological assault is come back to us, Braun. We've got Alexa Bliss to dress up as Sister Abigail. Uh, you love that, don't you? You love that. Come back, Braun. And then in the next scene, Bray's like hitting him in the head and being like, come back. We can punch you again. It doesn't make sense. But I, I did, I kind of, I did dig it. Like I, I really did dig the, the the story and everything within there. You know, I liked them. You know, essentially Bray wanting to use Braun to fight off the Fiend. It, it almost felt mm -hmm. like so. I really dug a lot of that. I, I said my issue with it was just th the finish seemingly came out of nowhere. Like the show just ended. Like oh, this yeah. match just ended. Like it didn't. It felt like we were, we were about to get into the climax, and then it just it just stopped. And you, me, you and Denise were sitting on the live stream. The, the warning, the little copyright logo, seemingly came up a bit early, and then it just ended. Well, and they we were, were, they were trying like, so huh. hard. They were trying so hard to do the one final scare thing. He's not actually dead. Like you know, that's horror film, right? That, mm -hmm. That's what they were going for—the one last jump scare. And this whole and thing just, was just reference upon reference to like Bray's yeah. favorite horror films as well. And that's and that's fine, but it did it felt like a grab bag of like loose threads that just didn't there wasn't cohesion in this story that they were trying to tell and like there was some like I think Bray's performance in the monologue and stuff was exceptional. He's so good. Um but they just didn't really know how to do it with Braun here. Like they didn't like I think like the John Cena one worked so well because clearly Cena was so willing to just be like, yes, destroy me. Like, you know, he's already reached that point in his career where he's untouchable anyway. So you can just, unseeable and untouchable. They can just go to that. They could just go like, you know, he's been, he was dominated by The Undertaker the year before. So he's already, you know, willing to hand over all the kind of glory to somebody else and, and elevate them by just his mere presence of being like, well, you've beat John Cena this handily. Look, look how amazing that is. But they couldn't do that with Braun here. They can't because they, Braun is still going to be the universal champion coming out of this. And they need to make him look 
strong to go into SummerSlam against The Fiend, if that's what they are doing, which it seems like they probably will be. But it just made it so confusing. And I feel like for all the extra layers of production, you can pile on this by filming it in a swamp and having all these lily pads and all, you know, all this other stuff and the boat driving away magically on its own. You've got a boat that drives itself. It's incredible the amount of money they've spent on this. The match they had in the ring was better and had a better story going through it. And the only prop they added to a regular wrestling match was a broken black sheep mask. And the simplicity of that uh, outweighs the kind of the uh, scope and I think the ambition of this match because I don't think this match lived up to its ambition. Mm. I'd, I'd be, you know, I'm, I'm quite excited for us to get Braun versus The Fiend. I think they've they've been building that, you know, for some time now, and I and I have quite enjoyed that. So I think that at SummerSlam, you know, one year after The Fiend mm-hmm. debuted, I think will be. I, I think it'll be good you know i mean who knows we haven't seen a feed match for some time but i'm looking forward to it regardless yeah i think i really um, am looking forward to it yeah but uh, that was the show overall uh i yeah i thought it was a night of good wrestling with some bad finishes it was frustrating at times the the bailey sorry the asker sasha banks finish would not have bothered me had it not come after the eye for an eye and the mvp thing the eye for an eye was cheap and rubbish. And if you can't do it, then don't do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but like overall, I didn't hate the show. I thought it was, no. you know, like a, a a two, maybe a three out of five show because I really, really liked that Dolph Drew match. But yeah, you know, and, and I enjoyed a lot of elements of the Swamp match as well. So yeah. overall, you know, it, it was a basically a thumbs up show. Yeah, it's just, I just it's indicative of wider problems in WWE, isn't it? That you've got... Um, they're confused about what the main thing is in WWE at this exact moment in time. And it's because the TV pro the TV shows are worth lots of money and the pay-per-views probably aren't worth as much money as they once were, but they build the pay-per-views like they're the most important thing. And then that most important thing just feeds back into you actually need to just go back to watching raw. Really? You could, mm. you could skip this pay-per-view. And that's why the, the elegance of the Dolphin and drew match works really nicely because it feels like that's, that's a line drawn under that, that we saw the finish of that feud it was a very short feud, but it felt like it, you know, and it didn't feel like it was worth really investing in, but they managed to make it feel like it was worth, if you did invest in that feud, your time was well spent because what you got was a very succinct, nicely put together, carefully constructed match that had a very satisfying finish. And then you've got all this other stuff that's more highfalutin going on that sort of left you a bit cold at the end, but there was very good wrestling. So it's really hard to be like, I just don't know where I sit with this because yeah, it, like you said, it, it feels like you might as well not watch the pay-per-view because you just got to watch Raw and SmackDown anyway. And they're going to recap the pay-per-view on Raw and SmackDown. Of course they are. So, yeah. But then you would have missed out on great wrestling. I don't know anymore. WWE, please just give me wrestling with good finishes. God damn it. Yeah, like, you know, the Attitude Era was, was rife for this as well, particularly when Vince Russo was in charge because Vince because uh, Russo cared about the ratings. That's what he was in. He wanted them to beat WCW in the, in the mm-hmm. ratings. And I think that's what Vince wanted uh, as well, really was to, you know, to win this, this ratings war. So their pay-per-views a lot of the time would end with these crazy finishes. And like, you know, the, the closing line would be, well, better tune into raw tomorrow to, to find out. Mm-hmm. Problem was they were both serving each other. The TV shows were making you excited for the pay-per-views and the pay-per-views were delivering in spades and, you know, giving you some amazing stuff and then would give you more teasers to then watch the next show. It was this one continuous storyline. Whereas what we've got at the moment is we've got TV that's building up to a pay-per-view, that's building up to a TV, but none of them are actually 
paying really off. paying off. So yeah, it, it was it was a frustrating show, but one We're that caught, I didn't yeah. I didn't hate. Caught in an endless cycle of hype. And you can only sustain a level of hype so much. Like this is why marketing strategies are so careful. But like, <laughs> you know, and I think this is the problem. WWE is just trying to rev us the whole time about nothing. And I think <laughs> you you catch on to that eventually that like nothing is happening. It's all going to like, it feels like we're watching a sitcom. It feels like because we're just going to return to the status quo at some point. Um, and especially when SummerSlam is around the corner and that feels like where the big stuff's really going to happen. So yeah, you're like I'm most satisfied by things that were just like either clean or like fresh where it's like New Day and uh, Cesaro and Nakamura feels like that's good progress. Something has happened. And then the, all these other things that were much bigger and, and more touted about the show left me a little bit like, Ooh. but I did yeah. see some good wrestling, so I can't complain. And I enjoyed my beers that I had with it, so there you <laughs> are. Right, well, let's have the rest of your super chats about what you thought of the show. Azo Smith said, if Sasha's fall wasn't a botch, then kudos to her, because Jesus, that looked rough. Yeah, really mm. did. Uh, Nacht Bogan says, while I'm enjoying Banks and Bailey, excuse me, it does seem bad basically giving Bailey a free title reign till the friend implosion it makes the title matches obvious. Uh, perhaps, yeah, but I think it also added intrigue into the other title match. So I, I think they sort of, they, they do actually balance each other out quite nicely. And, you know, I think, I mean, Denise has sort of been waiting for that friend implosion for quite some time. She thought it might have happened at a previous pay-per-view. So I think it's always there, like on the cusp and on the cards. Yeah, I think it's what I think it's my feelings about the Banks and Bailey thing is they should have just done it already. Like, I think they realistically, they should have got it out of the way after they both came out of NXT and just been like, you know, the first time they started teaming together, just did the implosion ASAP. Because I do think it overshadows a lot of what else is going on with them, and because people are just expecting the, that to happen again, um, and yeah, it does just make every other match that Bailey has feel a bit throwaway. Because we all feel like Sasha's going to be the one, and she probably isn't. Like <laughs> you know, WWE, they're probably not going to do that. Like they might, they just they they love a swerve for the sake of a swerve, so they're probably not going to have any uh, Sasha beat Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Champion, but Championship. But it just it does just feel like that's on the cards. So yeah, because we're all trying to guess ahead, you know, we've built ourselves into a state of hype, unfortunately, <laughs> and we're now paying the price for it because we it's, you struggle to get into the matches. Uh, Billy Joyner says the wrestling was great, but the finishes were mostly just odd. Suggestion for Quizzlemania: It'd be cool to see Danhausen on the show. Jam that jam. Yeah, I mean that's probably about to to Ring of Honor, but uh, yeah, Danhausen would be a Dan lot Housen's of fun great. to have on there. Uh, Taxel, uh, another ref should have come out to DQ Asuka so she retains, but then you could still have them steal the belt. Uh, yes, but you could also make the argument that they should have been DQing Sasha and Bailey because they were also interfering in the match. Although I suppose Askew did actively attack a referee. So yeah, a lot of stuff that could have been done. Mm. Um, Azo Smith said, Sasha, as good of a seller as she is a pro wrestler, and that speaks absolute volumes about this because she is, no pun intended, boss. Yeah, she's so, so good. Absolutely brilliant. I can't believe uh, I've done more with her in all time. Yeah. She's so good. Uh, 
And Elfa Mentado says, I like Bray giving continuity to WWE storylines. Yeah, he is someone who really cares about his character and the, the sort of the wider scope of it, which you don't see a lot of. And I and I think it's actually credit to WWE for allowing him mm-hmm. to have a lot of this creative freedom around that character. Not a lot of people get that. And it's, it's kind of a shame that they don't. I think it's because they don't understand it. So they're just like, you're going <laughs> yeah. to you're gonna have to explain it, mate, because we don't know. <laughs> Dartrain24, uh, watch Quizzlemania this week. Ollie is so bad that I'm generally starting to believe it's a work. Uh, Luke, take one week off uh, after winning, and then you can come back to beat the fake champion. I mean, I actually am off this week, but then again, so is Quizzlemania. And I, I can tell you this, it is, it's not a work. Ollie is just, Ollie gets flustered very easily. He is very knowledgeable about wrestling and wrestling history. He just panics under the pressure. Like, you know, he'd be... He'd be rubbish on Mastermind, basically. Um, Fritz said, um, message to Blompier relating to his wrestlers thanking each other video. When Asker and Banks were both down, Banks rubbed Asker's arm, then Asker scratches Banks's head. Um, better you do what's list uh, 12, love that, work, stay awesome. Sorry, I, I didn't quite make it up towards the end. But yes, probably update yeah. the list to 12, because I think it was 11 examples. Yeah. Okay. I think he had the um, the scratching one, though. I think he had that in there. Oh, well, this is... Yeah, but this is... Last night when they came off the top yeah. turnbuckle during the yeah 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 but yeah they they gave each other a little it was very nice You're very okay. little moment yeah uh, Paul the powerhouse beef Maslin says is it just me watching the split screen uh, is like a before and after left is Luke before a four hour pay per view and right is Luke after a four hour pay per view I can't grow that beard that's the problem. Um, Sandy Pan, uh, thank you very much for your big donation. Hey, guys, thank you for everything you do. Any idea why WWE is so inconsistent um, other than the, the disconnect from the audience? The, I think they think they are consistent. I think, you know, they are. They think that they're making a good show. And, you know, absolutely credit to you. If you think you're making it, we, we think we make a good show and people tell us otherwise. So, um, <laughs> you know, who are we to say that WWE is wrong if they think they're making a great show? Yeah, I mean... If people are watching, that's the only that's the only answer, isn't it? Are people watching? That's the goal of a TV show. The argument being that WWE have had very low ratings recently, so <laughs> probably not would be my argument. Uh, small Afro Games, Jaron Walker. It's my birthday. Happy birthday, Happy birthday. there, mate. Uh, it would love you too, dude. Uh, and lastly, Tudor says, am I the first Romanian that has sent you guys a super chat? And that gives you money rather than take it. Um, I think you might be. I don't think, well, I mean, you might not be, but no one has ever referred to themselves or said they are Romanian. Mm. So thank you very, very much. And thank you all for watching uh, this WrestleTalk podcast review of the horror show at Extreme Rules. If you're watching this on Catch Up, please do click the videos that have appeared on screen right now to catch up with more awesome WrestleTalk things. Um, Yeah, and we will be back for another podcast tomorrow. Uh, Pete and Ollie will be doing the Raw review and AEW because I'm off for the week. So, uh, and it'll be Adam and Alex, I think, doing the Friday show, and you'll be doing the NXT review. Mm-hmm. The podcast will be fine, folks. Those people who said that. <laughs> it's not going well, anywhere. Well, we, there was a comment yesterday on the live stream that was like, God, I can't wait for Luke to be off these podcasts. He is the Omni Luke. And I'm like, well, that guy's getting his wish because I'm taking a week off. <laughs> See you later, guys. Bye. Rush on top,